Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Not Your Average Tea Time podcast happening with Travis and Kristen live during the Jets versus Indianapolis Colts game, the I guarantee game. And, you know, I guarantee these guys that Elijah Moore would be the wide receiver who had the most success this year, the rookie wide receiver of the three we picked. And so far, looking like I am right. All right. With Mike White, the what Mike White, the guy back there, Elijah Moore is cooking. You guys can't tell me that he's not. He's coming to his own. I know you are seeing the talent that Elijah Moore has. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought? I mean, we'll see how long that lasts because with Mike White being currently sidelined, we'll see how, how well he does. But, hey, man, I, I think it's – ooh, another fumble. Um, it's something to be said about – can't forget about the boy Devontae Smith. Yeah, so I literally have a spreadsheet, and I was sending it to you guys. I updated every Tuesday. It is another fumble. I'm, my TV's behind y'all, but they got it again. Man, I, I can't stand this. <laughs> I can't do this. This is too much. But I literally have a spreadsheet that I update every oh, shit, Monday. Another fumble. Hey, knock it off. Don't give me hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I thought I was on a delay. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me hope. Um, but I literally have a spreadsheet that I update every week with Devonta Smith's, Elijah Moore, and Jalen Waddle's touchdowns and yards. So, unfortunately, Jalen Waddle is leading slightly ahead of Devonta Smith, who only had 15 yards and one catch last week. But I don't know. Elijah Moore is making up for his slow start in that one game he was out with a concussion. Yeah, he's uh, he's I- cooking. We know who the most talented player is. It's just, uh, you know, whether or not Tua's going to get him the ball. Now, luckily, the Miami Dolphins have kind of made it a uh, – it, it, he's been one of their go-to players on the offensive side of the ball. So, that's a plus side. But uh, I, I think more so that was with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, there's no more, at least for the rest of this season – there, there will be no more Deshaun Watson talk for the Miami Dolphins. Maybe that slight distraction will help Tua, at least for the rest of this season. Obviously, in the offseason and, and into next season, that's a different story because there's certainly some interest there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if Tua's gameplay, uh, with him getting more and more healthy down the line, hopefully, and just with this distraction off his back, if this will uh, kind of uh, – help the young quarterback out as the Miami Dolphins. Um, if they're not the most disappointing team this season, they're certainly uh, one of them. Tra- oh, shit, another fumble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis, how do you feel about Deshaun Watson not getting traded? Do you think that it was, like, did you think he would get traded? You know, at, at first when it, the rumors were starting to swirl, I thought that it was sure that he might get traded. Um, I just thought that um, I know there was videos of Deshaun Watson seeming to have a lot of energy and pep in the step um, about when he was uh, spotted at Texans camp. It seemed like something would happen. But after thinking about it more, it makes more sense for the Texans to not trade him now. Um, and the reason being is that by the end of the season, especially as the season goes along, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to figure out who they have at quarterback on their respective teams. And hopefully by that point, um, the legal procedures surrounding Deshaun Watson um, will get figured out as well. And so by that point, teams will have a clearer picture about who they got and what they're working with here. 
And so, as a result, I imagine the Texans are going to have much more suitors because I don't think there's very many good college prospects coming out of this year's draft. So there's going to be a lot of quarterback needy teams. So it's probably honestly for the best interest of the Texans that they didn't trade them. Notice how I said the best interest of the Texans and not Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but Deshaun Watson will be suspended for six games at the start of the next year. That's what everybody's saying. Just expect him to be suspended for the first six games. Do you think that a team still will make that trade for Deshaun Watson, knowing that he's going to get suspended for six games regardless of what happens? I do. I think so. Uh, mm-hmm. If he could get this black eye off of his resume as, you know, now, you know, the 20-plus women that have come out against him. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know about how you guys feel about this. And obviously this is a, a topic that we can talk hours and hours about. But I, I think there – I hate to say it. I think there's got to be something there for him to miss this much time into the season and for this investigation to go on this long and – uh, you know, normally when a lot of people come out, uh, and this is a touchy subject, but, you know, usually that kind of raises some red flags. But I don't know. This one kind of seems a little different, and you hear the stories that came out months ago. But um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not surprised that Deshaun Watson wasn't traded because I think any NFL team would be stupid. I mean, honestly, I think they would be stupid to give up. You know, I know the Texans are currently asking for three first-round draft picks for Deshaun Watson. I, I think a franchise would be stupid to give up, uh, honestly, even one first-round draft pick for him right now just because we don't know what's going to happen with him on the legal side of things. I mean, this is still an open uh, investigation, and, um, you know, a- as much as I would like to think that Deshaun Watson didn't do any of this stuff that it, he's being alleged to have done in the past, um, we just don't know. And this story has carried on a lot longer than I thought it would have. And I think that kind of raises a red flag for me. So I think that's, I mean, I'm not surprised that a team didn't pull the trigger just yet. Um, If his name does get cleared and, you know, for whatever reason, he is suspended for the first six games next season, but his name is cleared. Absolutely. A a team will certainly pull the trigger. Um, But as of right now, I am not, I am not surprised that he's currently a, a Houston Texans still. Yeah, and there's no return policy as well, so you can't exactly. keep a receipt. <laughs> well yeah. said, well said. You know, I think that the Miami Miami Dolphins owner was trying to get a return policy and stated, saying, like, look, what can we do to make sure that if we trade for Deshaun Watson and he gets suspended for half the season, the whole season, that we can get our picks back? And they couldn't come to any conclusion, make any conditional picks. I don't think the Texans were going to do that. They said... If you want him, he's yours, but you get to keep him no matter what comes with that. So, he didn't get traded. One person who did get traded, though, was former Broncos linebacker Von Miller. I think that was probably the only big trade that happened, this trade deadline for the NFL here. What do you guys think the future is for the Rams? Do you think that this pushes them further into the playoffs? Do they make the Super Bowl now that they have like who you have to pick who you're going to block. You're going to block Aaron Donald. You're going to block Von Miller. Which one are you going to double? Yeah. You know, and let it be known. One thing that the national media is really starting to say to go along with us is they are saying, of course, the goats, Aaron Donald is on the team. He's already there. He's a household name. 
you get a, a talent like Von Miller added to your team, but they're also including Leonard Floyd, former Chicago Bear, in the conversation as being a threat, uh, a prominent threat. And, you know, to be quite honest, I guess you could say he is, you know, a better player than he was, a threat. But it's just frustrating as Bears fans to know that we had a player like that and we saw how he played and pan out. But he's finally getting the, the – he's finally showing um, the kind of talent that he was ought to be. But I guess it helps to have Aaron Donald. But really, pick your poison. What are teams going to do? Yeah, and it could be frustrating to see him playing that way, but really this has been the first year you guys have had Robert Quinn too, and he has looked like the player you paid all that money to. He's looked legit. That's true. That's true. He's really looked legit this year. So, yeah, I was surprised to see Von Miller got traded. I think he was too, and nobody really saw it coming. It was one of those the Broncos had to do what's best for their future because they realized that the Raiders are too good. The Chargers are too good. The Chiefs will always be the Chiefs. So they need to do what they need to do in order to get some draft picks in order to rebuild that roster because, quite frankly, it wasn't up to snuff. It, they tried to win this year, and they took an honest assessment and looked back and said, we can't do it with this roster. So I was surprised that was the only player that got traded. I know that also former Bear, Chicago Bear, Kyle Fuller, was rumored to be on the trade block, but – he ended up sticking around and staying with the Broncos as well. Yeah, and I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, Bryce Callahan. I think he's expected to now miss the rest of the season. His whole career, he's had injury problems, even dating back to his Bears days, and obviously the familiarity is there with Vic Fangio. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I was really surprised that the Rams were able to land uh, uh, Von Miller. I, I seen today uh, the Rams GM. Les Snead, his kids actually gifted him a coffee mug, and it was just a picture of his face, you know, in that black and white uh, filter, and it said, uh, quote, fuck them pigs. Because <laughs> uh, obviously uh, they trade their first round, a couple first round picks, I believe, uh, for Matthew Stafford. Now they trade a couple day two picks for Von Miller. I think their first pick in this year's draft is like a, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like a fourth or a fifth round pick. So uh, that that's interesting, but uh, they're obviously in win-now mode, and they're in win-now mode before they even uh, acquired Von Miller. And I don't know if I'm just, like, living in the moment, you guys, but to think Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey all on the same defense, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're all Defensive Player of the Year awards. I'm iffy. I'm iffy. And if Jalen Ramsey won that award, I, I can't remember if he did or not, but, uh, but I do know for sure Von Miller and Aaron Donald have. I, I'm not sure if we've ever seen a defense with three key defensive players, three defensive stars of the magnitude of uh, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, although he's a little up there in age, 32 years old, and, and obviously he's dealt with some health issues the last couple of years. Um, and then obviously Jalen Ramsey as well, I mean, uh, that, that's a stacked defense, and uh, you know I, I think the Rams are already in discussion. Top, top two, top three teams in the NFC. Uh, in the NFC, I think this move definitely puts them on top. I think there's no doubt about it. I mean, in the very least, uh, you get Von Miller, you get Aaron Donald, uh, and then of course, like you said, Travis 
Leonard Floyd, a, a quality player. I, I don't think he's a star on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, certainly since he's been in L.A. playing on that line with uh, Aaron Donald, he's been a better pass rusher and uh, been making some noise. So it'll be interesting to see how his role uh, increases or maybe decreases with the uh, coming in of Von Miller. But uh, I, I think this definitely – uh, I think this definitely makes the L.A. Rams the favorite in the NFC with the acquisition of, of Von Miller, no doubt about it. That's hard for me to to take and say, yep, I can agree with that because Tom Brady, that man is still in that division. And Yeah, what, but I've seen, and, what, the, I seen as what the Saints long, defense did. I've seen what the Saints defense did just this past week, and they did it last year as well, just not in that playoff game. Obviously, that's when it matters most. But I've seen what the Saints defense has been able to do to Tom Brady. But the Saints defense isn't defense, the Rams defense. All right. And I think the Rams defense could be better. I, I think they could see what the, the Saints defense is doing to him. And I think the Rams defense could try and copy that. The Rams mm-hmm. defense has the dogs up front, but not in the secondary to stop those right. wide receivers. They got one really good corner in Jalen Ramsey, and he's going to have to pick. Is he going to. And in that last game with the Saints, they didn't have Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown Ooh, comes back. Oh, I'm excited now. Antonio Brown comes back, though. Uh, who are they going to cover? Who's Jalen Ramsey going to cover? He's not going to cover Antonio Brown. He's probably going to cover Mike Evans. One second. One, oh, that was a nice grab. What a grab. Um, Leonard. Yeah. Tyler Croft, future ex-Cincinnati Bingo. But I will, I will say Darius Williams, though, the other corner, opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. I think he's a quality player. I think he would be a number one corner in other places. Yeah, and he probably is decent. The fact that I don't know his name is a good thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm legit. The, the fact I want to say who the fuck is that guy is a good thing because <laughs> if you don't know a corner name, that means they're not getting burned all the time, right? So <laughs> That's true. It, oh. It'll be really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how the NFC plays out this year. Another storyline that we got going on here is your guys' boy, my QB1, Aaron Rodgers, got caught basically not telling the whole truth about his vaccination status. He says he was immunized, and everybody just assumed that what he said after that was like, but yeah, I don't judge people who not vaccinated. Everybody just assumed that meant he was saying that he was fully vaccinated. He was not. He was on the sideline. All preseason, breaking NFL protocol, not wearing his mask, and journalists and people are upset about it. It was like, you know, we really praised him for being so honest in the past and all of his press conferences saying was on his mind, but then he lied about this. How do you guys feel about that? Allegedly, uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, said that a source told him early on in like October that. Aaron Rodgers is not fully vaccinated. He's not vaccinated at all. Florio was like, no way. I, I saw the press conference where he said he was fully immunized and I don't have a way to prove it, so he just let it die. He says he's kicking himself now because he let it die, but he had no way to prove that the source was right. But now that same source came to him and said, Aaron Rodgers is furious that people found out that he's not fully vaccinated. Do you guys think this is a big deal that he lied about this, or it's, or are we just overblowing this? You know, and I, I think it's, I think it's very, it's interesting. I, for one, would also agree with the main um, population in thinking that, with him saying he's immunized, that 
that means that he's vaccinated. Um, but I will say he could have also met in a different way. So I don't think he lied. He addressed the question. You can say you're immunized to whatever, even though the, the question specifically asked about vaccination status. He just said he was immunized. I think the bigger concern here is that if he isn't vaccinated, which he isn't, he's been in the press conferences without masks. He's went to that Halloween party um, and he's been stocking up for, presumably without a mask either, um, but who knows. But the point is, is that if he's done all that, that's a problem. And if Green Bay knew about it, it didn't do anything about it, didn't punish him, didn't say anything, that is also a bigger problem. And the question becomes, are they, did they do that because they didn't want to piss him off again and didn't want him to not be on the team? Or, or what's up with that? Yeah, and the, the thing is, Mike Florio pointed this out. He was like, the problem is when you're as smart as Aaron Rodgers is and you get all the praise for being so smart like Aaron Rodgers does, when you do things like this, you lose the benefit of the doubt. People know you're not some dumb jock who just said something and you didn't mean it. Like, you're not Greg Van Roden. All right? the, the guy the guy did just host fucking Jeopardy for like three weeks, didn't he, before this press conference? I mean, he knows what he's saying. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's know what he's, he knows exactly what he's saying. So it's just one of those, just don't lie about it. Like, there's nothing right. anybody can do if you're not vaccinated. Just don't lie about it. Just say, no, I'm not. And I don't want to be, and I don't want to get into reasons why. Mm. Okay, yeah, but this is one of those things where, when people measure up Aaron Rodgers' career versus Tom Brady's career, they look and see that the Buccaneers is 100% vaccinated. Tom Brady went and got the shots. He probably thinks the same way Aaron Rodgers does, but he's like, if I miss a game, and thus I miss, we lose one or two games because I'm not vaccinated, and we miss out on the number one seed, and that hurts our chances of making the Super Bowl run. I'm pissed at myself. Aaron Rodgers apparently doesn't care about that. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I am not a big Kirk Cousins fan, but, I mean, that guy was straightforward with, you know, his beliefs and how he's not going to get the vaccination. And, and, you know, every, you know, he, I mean, he was criticized to the max. And then he got COVID, I believe, last year. And no, I believe. Get into this I year. Believe. Okay, this, the preseason. Year, this year, yeah. And, right. and the whole quarterback room got it. Exactly. That's right. That's exactly right. And, I mean, he was scrutinized, and Mike Zimmer was on his ass in the media and everything. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, what, you were afraid of that, but you, you, you didn't care to look like a jackass on uh, on uh, draft day or, or all throughout the preseason and the offseason saying publicly how you did not want to play for the Packers and – uh, people believe that you had already played your last down for the Green Bay Packers, this and that, and you're afraid of, of the scrutiny that you're going to receive because you don't want to admit that you didn't get the COVID-19 vaccination. And you want to, you know, maybe he didn't totally lie or, or you know, he, he kind of used his words in the way he meant to and didn't say that he was he got the COVID vaccine, but he knew what he was saying. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. And now it's now it's biting them in the ass. And like you said, Travis, you know, the Green Bay Packers were obviously aware of all this. He's mm-hmm. meeting the media. They they even said, you know, around the building, he would wear a mask. Obviously, the players and the coaches, they knew about this. He would wear a mask around those guys. 
But when he met the media, he would take the mask off. That's kind of, I mean, if you ask me, that's kind of a big F you to the media. Really? You know, may, you know, yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He would meet the, you know, he would do his press conferences. Media members were there, no mask on. But around the building, they said that he would wear a mask and that he was doing the, you know, COVID tests, you know, as often as non-vaccinated players needed to and all that, Packers were aware that he wasn't vaccinated. But uh, so, I mean, it's just not a good look for Aaron Rodgers. And um, honestly, I don't feel bad for the guy because he kind of put himself in this situation. Yeah. And the craziest part about all this, like he's furious that people found out that he wasn't vaccinated. Like, what would you have done if the story didn't get out and then Sunday came and you obviously were going to miss the game because mm-hmm. you're not vaccinated. And they say, where's Aaron Rodgers? You're going to say, you wanted them to lie and say, oh, he's right. uh, had yeah, a right. birthday party or yeah. like. He's still at that Halloween party. Aaron yeah. Rodgers who? That's John Wick. It's now. John Wick. He, he, he slept in. <laughs> he wasn't. He uh, he got a. <laughs> he's looking for his dog. No, it's, it's, So that whole story is just, that's the whole story is. It's wild in the football sense because the NFL has had the last two weeks for the NFL have been hell. They've had the John Gruden scandal. They've had the one of their lawyers got caught up in the email scandal. They've gotten Aaron Rodgers missing the Green Bay versus Chief game. Like we've never seen Aaron. Have we ever seen Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Holmes? No, it was it was going to be the first time ever. This is going to be the first time ever, and then we miss it because you didn't, you didn't want to get vaccinated and he got COVID. I hope he's doing well, you know, but this is this is this is beginning to be. I don't think we'll ever see that matchup in the way it was intended, unless this next team he goes to is like the Saints, where they're ready. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Green Bay's season kind of unfolds moving forward, um, especially considering if he has to miss more like a couple games. But what's going to be even more interesting in the game to look out for, even though it's not how we would have wanted to have scripted it, it's going to be the Jordan Love game, the the quarterback they drafted first overall last year. And what's interesting is is that the career trajectory of what's happening is similar to how Rodgers got put on the field. Brett Favre was a superstar. He got hurt. Rodgers got on the field, and he shined and never looked back. Now it's time to see similar situation. Rodgers isn't hurt, but he's not playing. Will Jordan Love be this ultra quarterback that maybe they thought that they had with him? And if he if he does, then it's really unfortunate for everyone else, including those Bears fans, because, of course, they just find lightning in the bottle. But if it doesn't, then we're going to be sitting pretty high with that. So we'll see. You know, you mentioned... Unless, in this COVID world, you know, we've seen Kurt, ben, uh, Kurt Benkert come down with COVID the third string quarterback, you know, obviously they, they all have to be in that quarterback room together. Who knows? I don't wish it upon Jordan Love, but what if they did just sign uh, Blake Bortles, I believe, today? They did. It could be the Blake Bortles revenge, or not really revenge game, but it could be the Blake Bortles uh, rejuvenation game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. They did just sign him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dr. Josh got their first pick, but – I'll say this to close out the Aaron Rodgers talk here. I think that a lot of the fans and stuff like that was on his side throughout his entire career. 
with his Brett Favre saga, people was like, yeah, we saw Aaron Rodgers with this one. Brett Favre, it's time to go. Don't be an asshole. When it came to Aaron Rodgers versus his own family even, people said, mm-hmm. yeah, hey, maybe we should respect Aaron Rodgers' wishes. If he, It has to be a reason he doesn't want to speak to his family. When it came to – finally, when it came to Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers, people said, let him go. Like, trading where he wanted to be traded. Why isn't he getting any decisions? And he had all of this good karma built up. And people were behind him for every situation he went through. Even him and Danica Patrick breaking up. I'm sure people were picking his side on that one. But this one, it feels like the people are turning on them. They're like, just don't lie to us. You can say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to do this. But don't get up there and lie. Don't get up there and try to be smarter than the room. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Don't mess with, you know, hey, we'll back you. We'll back you to the fullest. But once you start turning on the organization and, and you know, once you start uh, kind of, you know, looking like a jackass and doing what you did the other day or now coming down with COVID and, oh, you're furious that people have found out that you weren't vaccinated. Hey, well, dude, you brought this upon yourself, you know? I mean, I, I don't know what, what, what else you want me to say, but, I mean – you know, you, you may seem like you had the vaccination, or right? you want to break down the vocabulary that you use and bring out Webster's Dictionary, uh, go for it. But, I mean, <laughs> you gave off the vibe, and, you know, you, you made it seem like you were vaccinated. And that's the vibe that you wanted to give off, and now we're in this situation. And now you look like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll touch on Henry Ruggs' situation and we'll just we'll see where it goes from there. But we'll be right back. All right, we're back. So we got a few things to touch on here. So first off, I just want to say condolences to the family of the young lady who was tragically killed in that accident where former Raiders wide receiver Henry Rugg uh, alcohol limit was double the limit and he was doing 156 miles an hour in his Corvette and for some reason he had a loaded gun in his car as well so they're pretty much saying that dude is going to get 20 years in jail I don't know if he'll get 20 years in jail but I think he's going to sit down and do some time and his NFL playing career is probably over so that's one situation in the vacuum but I think the biggest point here is that there was somebody who lost their life and it is it's really a tragedy yes I mean 100% and to, to hear that the uh, the vehicle was on fire and, and you know it leads you to wondering did, did this 23 year old woman burn to death did she you know I mean it brings you to some dark thinkings did, did she just die from the impact from the accident? Uh, you know, I mean, she had a dog in the car as well. It was a female and her dog as well. Uh, and then, obviously, Henry Ruggs, his girlfriend, a loaded gun. And, you know, it's just a terrible, terrible decision, obviously. And, and to think 156 miles per hour, man, I mean, holy crap. I mean, what, I, mean I know you're under the influence, but, man, I mean, that – I mean, just a terrible situation. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then Derek Carr spoke about it yesterday. Uh, he said he's going to reach out to Henry Ruggs, that, you know, he's going to, you know, not that he supports what he did, 
but he knows that Henry Ruggs needs some type of loving, some type of support right now, and that he's definitely going to be there for his uh, former wide receiver now. Uh, but yeah, just in, just a terrible, terrible decision. And, you know, Henry Ruggs, I mean, obviously you think life first, but to think of his career trajectory, former first round pick, I believe number 12 overall standout career at, uh, you know, the, the, the football juggernaut in, in college football, university of Alabama, where everybody would dream to play at, you know, it seemed like he had the, the perfect life and, Unfortunately, man, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, in the rearview mirror now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that. And I, I don't mean to make that sound rough or anything. I mean, just an awful situation for everybody involved. And like you said to Mario, obviously, uh, sympathy and, and thoughts go to uh, the family of, obviously, the young woman, 23 years old. That lost her life. Yeah. Absolutely well said. Where do the Raiders go from here, though? Is there a wide receiver that you heard of or something like that on the market recently who can possibly fill that role that obviously Henry Ruggs left? A name that comes to my mind right away is Deshaun Jackson. He's unhappy with his role in Los Angeles with the Rams. And he requested a trade. So I think they cut him today yep. or yesterday, and then he cleared waivers. So he's free to sign with any team he likes. Does it make sense for him to go to the Raiders, or how does that work? That was the first thing to come to my mind. And then obviously I'm sure the Raiders are keeping an eye on the Odell Beckham situation in Cleveland. He was just uh, excused from practice for the second day in a row. We'll, we'll see what's going on there. But, yeah, I mean, the first name to come to my mind was Deshaun Jackson. And, um, obviously, this is like a secondary thought. But, I mean, they're, they're, their game are, are, you know, they're both speed uh, speedsters, deep, uh, deep threats uh, down the field. Um, but, yeah, that, that was definitely the first name. I did see today uh, that they did sign a, a receiver to their practice squad. as or, I believe it was a practice squad. I don't think it was the active roster. But uh, I'm sure, at least for the next couple of weeks, I mean, going forward, it's going to be Hunter Renfro, who seemed to have been Derek Carr's uh, go-to guy, and then Brian Edwards, who who was a player I thought last year was going to be a, a you know a surprise player. He hasn't really lived up to my expectations so far. And then this year, I thought for sure was going to be a breakout year. Not so much. We'll see if uh, he's given a, a bigger opportunity in this offense. I mean. Uh, Definitely a tragic situation. You don't want to see somebody's role get uh, amplified because of something like this, but I got to think those are the two guys that are going to have to step up uh, from here on forward. You know, Christian, you mentioned the Odell Beckham situation and the Raiders will be keeping an eye on that. Travis, what, what do you think is going on in Cleveland with Odell Beckham Jr.? Do you think that yeah. they can reconcile their differences? And if not, where does he go? Because they're gonna probably cut him. They've they've it's safe excused him from practice for the last two days in a row. I mean, and he and I think Kevin Stefanski said that he's effectively, technically, no longer part of the team. So where does he go from here? What team does he sign with? If and when the Browns decide to cut him? 
Well, yeah, that's just it. So he's he's done in Cleveland. His time is, is up. He's packed his bags. Um, Coach pretty much just said, said it best. Um, LeBron and his dad also wanted him out of there. So um, Otto Beckham's done with them. But the tricky and interesting part becomes it, how he kind of goes because they're going to release him. They're going to have to. But when they release him, he's going to have to clear waivers. I can guarantee there's going to be a handful of teams that will probably fill in a, a waiver form. And so if that happens, Odell has less of a say as to where he goes. So he, he would just have to maybe start with that. But if he somehow manages to clear waivers, I would not be surprised if this man finds himself back in the division to want to see Cleveland again, say the Ravens. Um, I could definitely see that being a spot for him. Maybe less so Cincinnati because Cincinnati's balling right now. But I'm thinking that that could be the move for him, the option. You, you pick him up on waivers. You got to pick up that contract too, though. I'm not sure what the guaranteed money or anything like that is looking like. But he, he's still on a hefty contract where a player – I know he's still got the name and he's still got the reputation just so because of what we've seen of him more so in a Giants uniform. And he's still a younger guy. I do still think he's still got some type of star power in him. Just needs that opportunity. But, you know, I, I don't know if I want to – he's still on a pretty hefty contract. I believe his contract is $9 million this year and then $15 million for the next two years. So it's a big cap hit, and that is the reason why he probably will go unclaimed because teams don't want to put that on the bucks. They don't necessarily know what they're getting. Or maybe they do, but if you pick them up, then you're on the hook for that contract, and teams probably want to get a more team-friendly deal than the one that Odell currently has attached to his contract. Christian, where do you think he goes? Is there one pick one team that you think that he might decide, you know what, my talents, I can become a top-five wide receiver again if I go here? Where is that team, and why is it the Cardinals? It's- <laughs> yeah, no, it's not the Cardinals, believe it or not. Uh, that would be entertaining as all hell, but they already got the number one receiver in the league. So, I mean, you don't want to, you know, Odell, you know, with the attitude and all that. It, it's Hopkins' team, all right? Let's not forget about that. But anyways, to answer your question, I, I, it's funny that you asked that because I was actually thinking about this on my way to work this morning. Uh, and the first team to come to mind, honestly, is the team that we're watching right now. Sorry, it's not the New York Jets. It's actually the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, a veteran quarterback, although, you know, you kind of got to be careful with him and his uh, mental uh, stability, Carson Wentz, that is. But I-, I think the Indianapolis Colts would be a, a really good fit for him. Uh, I do like Michael Pittman. I think he's more so a, a number two receiver than a, a number one. T.Y. Hilton, obviously his best days are behind him, and uh, he just has a hard time staying healthy, as is OBJ. Uh, but I think that would be a really good fit and would really uh, light a spark in this Colts offense and, and this Colts team in general who, let's face it, they're not out of the running in their division, especially with now Derrick Henry going down for likely the remainder of the season for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, that gives the Colts uh, a little bit of life here for the remainder of the season. So I think that's the first thing that comes out. I think the Atlanta Falcons also make sense, especially with the situation going on with Calvin Ridley. Will he even come back this season? If, even if he does, not to sound harsh, I know he's going through some, you know, he said he's got to reevaluate his mental situation and just got to take a step back from the game. Um, 
even if he does come back, that's not a, a very deep wide receiver depth chart that they got there in Atlanta. Uh, so I think that move makes sense. I, I'm looking for teams with veteran quarterbacks. I don't want him in Chicago where he's bitching about not getting the ball to Justin Fields or, or this similar situation comes about that he's currently going on, uh, currently dealing with in Cleveland. Um, I will say this, and I'll leave you with this, uh, at least on this situation, obviously. Jeff Darlington, ESPN, he said, watch out. He said this is a dark horse, but watch out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially with Antonio Brown being down now with that uh, ankle injury, although he was just seen, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, riding alongside a, a busy street, I think it was a highway, uh, on his bike with a boot on. Uh, on his uh, no, foot. No, he wasn't. Interesting. No, he wasn't. Dead serious. Greg Allman of The Athletic actually had the picture. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said he said that Tom Brady and Odell Beckham, they've, they've been in conversation, they get along, and they've always wanted to play together. And they said that – and Jeff Darlington of ESPN said that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a dark horse to potentially land Odell Beckham. That would be insane. Yeah, that would be nuts if he ended up the Buccaneers. I know you. There's a lot to unpack there. First off, you said Michael Pittman Jr. is not a number one wide receiver. Yes, he is. I know it's just the Jets, but look at his performance tonight. He is going off tonight, and he's showing he got the hands, he got speed, the size to be a number one receiver. Pretty soon, he's going to be better than the wide receiver too, DeAndre Hopkins. Even and I'm if willing, he was a number one, though. Yeah, they, they could use they could use an extra body. They could because I couldn't <laughs> tell you who their second wide receiver is. Other than him, sure. uh, and I know you said it's not the Jets, but OBJ would make the Jets relevant again, and they would make him relevant again. Him, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, you'd be hard pressed to find a better wide receiver core. Um, I will say this before we move on. I don't know if I said it earlier in the podcast, if I did, forgive me. I'm sitting here thinking about this, and I really can't get it out of my head. The Jets have two good quarterbacks: Zach Wilson and Mike White. And it's really hard for me to believe as I'm sitting here watching. Who's the his... better one? Who's the better quarterback? I'm pressing you right now. Who's the better quarterback? As of today, <laughs> you have to say Zach Wilson. <laughs> what do you mean? You thought I was going to say Mike White? You thought I was going to say Mike White, didn't you? Yeah, it's definitely Zach Wilson, better quarterback as of today. And it looks like we're going to find out next week. I know the Jets were thinking about holding him out next week, especially if he looked good tonight. He did look good tonight, but if he can't grip a ball by the next week, bring Zach back. Come on. But they're not going to do that. They're going to put Joe Flacco in there, let the Buffalo Bills tee off on him, probably cut him, and <laughs> and then uh, have Zach come back against Miami where they can make that run. But the Jets got two quarterbacks, two really good ones on their roster for the first time in a long time, and I am excited about that. I was excited for the Jets to put on the show here on Thursday Night Football for you guys. But unfortunately, the football guys have other plans in mind, and nothing good can happen for the Jets. All well, right. They are going on a win streak, though, aren't they? Yeah, after after the next two games, he's going to go on a two game losing streak. They probably won't come back from this one if Josh Johnson's still in there. They'll lose to Buffalo, and after that, they're gonna they're gonna rip some wins, rip some dubs. But I want to close this out with your guys' thoughts on how Justin Fields and Chicago Bears looked against the San Francisco 49ers. Travis, at any point did that during that game did you think Justin Fields is going to do this? He's about to beat these 49ers. You know, when um, 
there was uh, definitely some. It felt like the same song as same song and dance as the Packers game. We started off strong, and you know we were holding them off, and then we just started to lose lose control of the game. And surprisingly, it's been the defense again. You know, and the offense is starting to pick up the team a little bit more. But I gotta tell you that fourth down run that he did was immaculate. It was truly special. But I think and then you got credit. kicked in the balls, and then you got kicked in the balls when Cairo Santos misses the extra point to tie the game up. Ah, uh, and then <laughs> and then to add to that, he made an incredible throw that I think isn't even talked about. The margin of error from throwing that touchdown pass to Jesse James was was very small, but he made the throw. It was a great throw, um, and then he also threw a dime to Cole Komet in the end zone, but unfortunately Cole Komet couldn't bring it in. So honestly, it was a weird sensation because we lost the game, of course, but surprisingly I feel good about how Justin Fields kind of ended the game. Yeah, I saw somewhere they said that the Bears lost the game, but they came away with a playmaker. His name is Justin Fields. Because, Travis, you're right. Mm-hmm. Those touchdowns that he threw in that game, the one he threw, the one he ran, was something special, something that most quarterbacks can't do. And he made he makes passes like that about two times a game. And you're thinking, not there's only three quarterbacks, maybe two in the whole league who can make that pass. And Justin Fields is one of them. Christian, how did you feel coming away from that game? Do you think that there was optimism that if the Bears let go of Nagy that there could be some success there? Do you think when Nagy comes back that the offense will look the same like it did against the 49ers? What are your thoughts on how that game went and for the future of the Bears here in Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, it was def- I mean for Matt Nagy, it was a lose-lose situation. I mean, you, you lose the way that they did, and the offense actually showed some life, and, uh, you know, they actually competed, and, and this loss was more so on the defense, uh, more so than anything else. And, and I guess you could kind of blame special teams as well. Uh, and, and then, obviously, if the Bears kind of just looked the same as, as they did the first, you know, six, seven games of the season, then it was like, oh, well, you know, it you know it's still Matt Nagy's fault, even though he was out this week with COVID. But, uh <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, the game in general, I mean, Justin Fields, I've heard some people say that this was his best game as a Bear. I still think I'd go back to the Detroit Lions game just because he did more as a passer. But this game against the 49ers, I was, I don't know if relieved is the word to use, but I was very happy and excited that he used his feet, he used his legs as a as a weapon, and he ran the ball for over 100 yards. And, of course, that, that touchdown on, on fourth and one where he should have been tackled like four different times. And Jason Peters, who's been the Bears' best offensive lineman, a 39-year-old guy that they called uh, on a fishing boat to, to come out of retirement and join the Bears, has been their best offensive lineman. And he put on a nasty block against Fred Warner, to, to lead Justin Fields into the end zone on that fourth and one touchdown run from about what, 20 yards out. I mean, uh, it, it seemed like that was going to be the turning point in the game where that touchdown was that, that touchdown led the bears to, to just uh, be one point away from tying the game up. And then Cairo Santos misses his first kick, misses his first field goal, extra point in over uh, two years. It was, and uh, the bears then, 
gave the ball back to San Francisco, uh, trailing by one. And unfortunately, I, I don't know if it was that extra point or, or what, but uh, the entire second half, really, uh, the Bears defense just did not look good. I mean, they, they allowed on a third and 19, I believe it was, a screen pass to Debo Samuel to go over 80 yards and should have been a touchdown if it wasn't for DeAndre Houston Carson hustling on defense and tackling him out at, at the one-yard line. And uh, the, the Bears' defense surprisingly almost forced uh, uh, them to, to kick a field goal. They did get in the end zone, though. But, uh, no, it, it, was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise, I think, from the Bears' offense, more so Justin Fields. I mean, you, you got to give the kid credit, man. I mean, it, he, he came out, obviously, his first career start against Cleveland, and it was one of the worst offensive performances in NFL history. Uh, from the Bears offense that game. The next game, he ends up having a, a really good day, a, a day in which I, I still call probably his best overall quarterback performance against the Detroit Lions. And then we've seen uh, a couple weeks ago another one of those performances similar to the Cleveland Browns game where he the, the offense just couldn't get anything clicking. They only put three points on the board against Tampa Bay, uh, and he follows that up with the per- performance uh, that he did uh, with a passing touchdown, a beautiful pass to Jesse James. As you said, Travis, awesome pass. to Mario, as you said, a pass that not many quarterbacks in this league could make. Uh, he put it to only where Jesse James could come down with it, and he did. Uh, and then, of course, he had over 100 yards running, that uh, touchdown on fourth and one. So it, it was a... Uh, it was a big plus. It was a big plus performance out of Justin Fields. Still, still disappointed in, uh, you know, some receivers, Allen Robinson, uh, Cole Komet, tight end. I mean, what the hell? Uh, but all in all, Justin, you know, this season is all about Justin Fields. And Quin- I'll even throw in Quincy- Khalil Herbert for that. Quincy Williams just murdered a man on that kickoff return. <laughs> He's still he's down. For murder. Yeah, he's 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 going to jail for that hit. Oh yeah. That was, yeah. Oh, wow. He might get a letter from the league next week saying he's suspended for that hit. But <laughs> yeah. No, all in all, Justin Fields totally happy with his performance. Just wish the defense could have uh, you know backed him up a little bit. And hopefully they will. I mean, if you had a legit middle linebacker, maybe you know the defense would have made a stop. But <laughs> we know how that goes. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap there, though, boys. This was fun. It was fun podcast. It looks like, oh, no, Mike White is hugging Travis's boy, John Beck, on the sideline. looks like he's not coming <laughs> back in. Um, But it was a fun podcast, guys. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Not Your Average Tea Time Podcast. We're on to whoever we play next, Buffalo. We're on to Buffalo. <laughs> and the whole-